Episode 346 of the Biz Talk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Semenoff. Nicole Alexander has worked on Capitol Hill for the city's largest general aviation manufacturer and the city's largest CPA firm, all before the age of 40. She also, less than two years ago, started her own coaching and consulting company. Nicole joins me in just a minute to talk about why she decided to strike out on her own after a highly eventful first decade and a half in business. But first, here's a look at what's in this week's edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Our cover story this week is a look at where the wealth lives in Wichita. We measured the factors that create affluence and ranked areas of South Central Kansas by zip code to come up with affluence rankings. And you can dive into them in this week's cover story. That cover story begins on page six. Along with that cover story, this week's list is the wealthiest zip codes in our area ranked solely by median household income. The list also provides a zip code breakdown of home values, percentage of residents with bachelor's degrees, and more. The list is on page eight. Spend 10 minutes getting to know Michael Payne, the new CEO of the Robert J. Dole VA Medical Center in Wichita. Payne has been in Wichita a few months and gives us his first impressions of the city and its veterans population. He also talks about the state of the VA campus, which just celebrated its 90th birthday. 10 minutes with Michael Payne is on page 16. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 12. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. It's great to have Nicole Alexander on this week's podcast. Nicole is a 2023 40 Under 40 honoree by the Business Journal, and she recently struck out on her own with a new consulting and coaching business called Nicole Alexander Company. That's a good title. After a widely spanning career in marketing and communications, we're going to talk about all that. Nicole, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me on. And it's not a huge thing at all, but it's I did Nicole Alexander Co., because I couldn't come up with a name for one, but the co is a play on the coaching and consulting. So, ah, yes, it's kind of tricky. You were, no one gets it either. It's you're fine. playing chess and the rest <laughs> of us, are, or at least I'm playing checkers. I know. It was, I'm not sure if it was a great idea or not, but it is what it is for now. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Uh, let's start with what's going on with you most recently, and then we'll get into your background for folks who don't know you. Why coaching and consulting, and, and why now? Uh, coaching and consulting and why now I honestly always wondered if I could break off on my own and do this I I think most of your listeners probably know people like Vera Bothner and Tammy Bradley it's like when I grow up could I be like them when I first met her so uh, my dad's an entrepreneur my husband's an entrepreneur I feel like it was a little bit in the blood so I've always wondered if I could break off on my own but the timing specifically now would be honestly based on family uh, and needing better flexibility and things like that. And I just feel like I had the privilege of culminating some unique experiences in, over my career in the last 15 years 
that kind of got me to this point where I do have enough, I think, that I bring to the table to help others at this point. For me, I've worked in companies for, you know, 40 years now, and I'm always envious of people who decide to go out on their own. Talk about the confidence level you have to have and just, I've got to do this. Uh, what goes into those, that decision? Sure. I, it's interesting because I think my confidence actually has grown more as a part of doing it, even compared to leading up to it. And I, I mean, I do think it was, since it had been on my heart and mind for so long, you slowly kind of work yourself in that direction. And my husband and I had a very, you know, many, many conversations over years to try to get to that point, knowing that that was a desire of mine, but knowing we had a lot we needed to get done before we could do that. So, you know, we're fortunate in that sense that we were able to do that together in different ways. He started his business while I was employed. In a way, I carried that for a few years, and then mm -hmm. we were able to switch positions. So uh, once we got to that point, so he could carry me a bit while I'm getting started. So, But I do think it's, you know, if it's something that's been you've always wondered about or placed on your heart, I just I hated to not give it a try. I don't exactly know still what it looks like in five years or any of that, but I, I consider this like the experimental stage. I'm trying several different things and seeing where it takes me, but I do think it's this confidence boosting just to, to bet on yourself and, and get out there and see what comes of it. So what does the experimental stage look like right now? Who do you coach and consult to? That, that is why it's a, I like to say experimenting because it's so, it varies so much. I'm doing everything from some succession planning to a little bit of M and a work uh, on the support side of that. I do some marketing for a nonprofit. I'm the president of the Wichita Aero club, which I know we'll talk about here in a bit as well. Um, some communications work. So it's honestly, it's been this mix of relationships that I've built over the years. I've always really valued relationships. Um, I have a, a background in agriculture, was raised in it, got into aviation. My husband owns a construction business. I worked in the public sector for Congressman Moran at the time. So I just have these snippets of experiences and relationships throughout that I've been able to go back to and just pick up different project work. So truly experimenting because it's a variety. <laughs> it, it would be a mistake not to draw on all of your experiences, right? Well, well, I agree. And I think, again, it's like I I feel very fortunate that I was able to pack in kind of a great amount of experience in a relatively short time. And I feel like maybe that was why. So I could bring all of that to bear in a supportive role, both on the consulting and then, you know, with coaching, I feel like I can relate well to many. I, I primarily focus on women. Um, based on my experience, as you would guess. So mm -hmm. women in leadership is a big part of that. And those unique experiences in the public sector, riding the corporate ladder, wave, the travel, starting a family, having a husband that's a business owner, all of that lends um, experience to those conversations uh, with women as they're navigating all of these things as they build families and careers and businesses too. Mm -hmm. Do you find that the, the the clients you work with are vary in terms of how much help um, I, that's a broad term they need for coaching clients it it's a very s specialized and personalized approach i guess you know they come to me with awareness that they want to change something mm -hmm. typically i mean for generic purposes it's like closing a gap i'm here currently and i'd like to be in a different point whether that's something at home something at work something to uh, even a goal or a project that they're managing so personalized um Yes. The, I guess it just depends how you define help. <laughs> <laughs> That's a broad term. It, it can mean yes. a lot of things. So 
I think we all need help, I guess, is also a very generic answer to that. Like, we all have um, blind spots and things like that. So in that regard, we all need a little bit of help. It's just sometimes the awareness of it. So, mm-hmm. how, how long ago did you start this? Um, in, I'm about I'm almost two years in. So I left AGH in January of 2022 and started the company, like, in March. Tough to market yourself going out, or did you use a lot of your connections? Like, you probably should have, at least. Yeah, thankfully, the first, it was... I guess same, just uh, affirming that, okay, I can't, there is work here. Um, the first three or four people I shared with had work for me. So I didn't, I didn't and haven't marketed myself a ton. I've, I've definitely been working my relationships and going off of that for now, which is helpful since I can't simply explain what I do still. <laughs> uh, so it, that part has helped, but thankfully not. And it has allowed me to experiment just based on and I think in this market, too, staffing is an issue for a lot of companies. So there are these odd projects that's like, hey, we do need a little bit of help for six months, and you can come in and out on things. Mm-hmm. Is, is marketing yourself harder than doing marketing for a company that you did for a lot of years or being a press secretary like you were? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Just because of humility, or what is it? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that's for sure some of it for me. I Even coming to do this, like I'm off... I often was, for much of my career, the person prepping the person to come do this, helping them prepare their answers, you know, finessing words on paper, all of those things. So I I love pushing people out, and it is different to have to push yourself out. So it definitely has... There is, I still have much work to do in that space. <laughs> I have to write down finessing words on paper. That's a term yes. I need to remember for marketers. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's get into your background a little bit. You grew up in western Kansas. Yes. Talk we... about where and what life was like. Yep. I was raised in Ulysses, Kansas. My dad is a first-generation farmer there, so farming family and a really great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. And then you went to K-State. I did. We are wildcats through and through, so my parents were... Grads, my sisters and I went there. My husband eventually came there as well. So, and we're trying to, you know, brainstorm, brainwash our children already to go there as well. So <laughs> How's that going? It's going well. It's going very well. <laughs> um, but yes, K State. I, you know, people tease me. Used to tease me. I studied agricultural communications and journalism. I mm-hmm. enjoyed writing, reading, uh, in that space. But based on my background, I was fascinated to know that that was a degree path. So. You know, I was in the J school at K-State mostly, but all my electives were in the College of Agriculture to supplement that. So it's mostly an industry. It, it, you know, translated over time. It was a great base to go on to work for the congressman, but then even in aviation, it was similar. You know, you have a technical field that you're in, but you're using your communication skills to mm-hmm. relay the message. So, And then what I would think would be a key point in your college life is when you got a summer internship to, to work on Capitol Hill. Talk about that. Yes, I had a... He was a professor, but a mentor, uh, Dr. Barry Flinchball, that was teaching agriculture policy at the time. And that was one of the first classes I took that I'm like, this is fascinating, you know, really Mm -hmm. intrigued me. So applied for internships and uh, was supposed to split the summer between Congressman Moran and Senator Brownback at the time. Um, I got to fill in in the congressman's office in the press space because of a staff change that, that was going on and ended up getting to stay the whole summer. And then they offered me a position um I think before I left, actually, at the end of the summer, so had a job waiting for me when I graduated. Talk about a 20-ish college student from western Kansas <laughs> being on Capitol Hill for a summer. What was that like? 
It's a great experience, even, you know, just starting your career there. The interesting and fun part about it was the Kansas congressional delegation at the time, and I hope it's still this way today. Just your staff is heavily Kansas-based and similar, moving across the country to, to live there and work there on behalf of Kansans. So it was kind of like we formed family away from family, and I have often said some of those relationships, I mean, still to this day, have served me well. People... Kansans that were there working both on the hill and off the hill, but just people were very well connected and looked out for one another, and it was a really, really neat experience. And as you mentioned, after college graduation, you were hired on full-time by the now Senator Moran. He was a congressman at the time. Uh, Talk about that. You You were hitting a home run right out of college. Yes, it's Officially, I was supposed to be the deputy press secretary. Um, I was hired in to work with the current press secretary in the same. Uh, it was that summer. I actually left the country for a service trip to Guatemala for a few, for like two months. I had already committed to that. While I was away, the press secretary moved on to another position. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to be elevated into the full press secretary position. So I, it was, I, I still to this day don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> But I appreciate the, you know, the vote of confidence. It's I do even now say to people that you have to, when others believe in you more than you believe in yourself, you know, grab onto that and use it for a while. So I appreciated that. I think, you know, the, the senator is such a hard worker and that I am wired the same way. I think the hard work ethic was, he could see that in me and I, I was very willing to learn and had a great, great, several great people there to learn from. So yes, it was... A crazy, crazy couple of years of just the the pace, the amount of work that you do, the hours you work, being mm-hmm. on call, servicing all of the things. Um, but it was such a neat experience. You jumped in with both feet. Did the water ever get over your head early on? Um, probably not early on. I think um, I I lasted about three years. But in, I, someone told me one time that if, 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 if it's hill time, it's like double time. And I'm like, thank you, that helps. Because it's you truly work on call. Mm-hmm. I think in the press position anyway, you know, you're, you're kind of on call. And it, got, it was similar when, you, when I moved into corporate communications. You tend to just be on tap most of the time, right. keeping an eye on things. And it can be uh, a little exhausting. So, And I could tell toward the end I was just ready to move on to the next thing. My now husband was in Kansas at the time so we wanted to get back in the same zip code and all of those things too so it it evolved naturally in a, in a good way I feel Bef- like I had contributed all I could contribute <laughs> before we get back to Wichita in your career let's let's talk about Senator Moran and, and what he's like to work for you mentioned you have a similar work ethic um, is he the same person in private that we see in public I think so for sure and that was part of my interest and in even alignment in working for him I just respect his his genuine heart for Kansans. He, you always knew then, and I believe still to this day, you know he's working hard on our behalf. He really has our best interests in mind. He's going to take topics and think through them from all sides and even maybe take his time in making that decision because he, you know, he does not always toe the party line and I, all of those things I respected. So, but yes, a great communicator, the work ethic. Um, I, I do respect. I, I shouldn't say now I work as... I don't work as hard as he does anymore, for sure. <laughs> With children, it's not possible. But I, I do respect that. He, he just goes and goes and goes, and he really is um, working, on, working hard on our behalf. So, mm-hmm. so once you decided that you wanted to get back to Kansas, what led you to Hawker? 
Yes, honestly, I um, I left the congressman's office without even having a job, uh, just to take a, a short break in there too, which was nice. And met, I was introduced to Vera. She was one of the first people I met when I moved here, and um, she was very she's been very helpful in lots of ways over my career. But it was just an open position, an open local position. I had uh, another opportunity at an agriculture company, but it would have had me traveling regionally, and I really wanted to get connected locally. Mm-hmm. So it was an open job. Um, my dad is a pilot and my sister's an air traffic controller. So I do have ties to aviation, but I, I didn't otherwise directly have an interest in it. Um, what were you doing and were you a quick study and learning what aviation is about? Well, the timing was interesting. It was, I started in August of 2008. So at that point <laughs> we had a very robust communications department, internal and external communications staffed out on both sides. And within a few months there were Two of us left, and uh, I started in an internal communications role, but after a ra- several rounds of layoffs, um, I started leading all of all of communications and kind of kept taking on more and more over the years. Mm-hmm. So was I a quick study? I don't know. I, th- I guess I think some of my strongest skill sets are my listening and willingness to learn. So I think with, with those two things, it, it was a... A good foundation, and I was used to a fast pace, having worked for the congressman and dealing with complexity and all of those things. So I was, think so. <laughs> was the pace as fast? Uh, you know, not initially, probably, um, but as I took on more over mm-hmm. the years, for had sure. to take on more. That, yes, yeah. yeah, and of course, as you know, the story we ended up going through the bankruptcy and mm-hmm. the product shutdowns, and I mean, I think back, and it's like every corporate communications crisis you can have, we've had. <laughs> So I, same, it was this interesting window of packing a lot of experience in um, at a local, state, national, and global level, communicating with lots of different constituencies and managing messages for, you know, very touchy and complex topics often. So, so yes, the pace did pick up and then it didn't necessarily let, 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 that, <laughs> let, let, let back off either. So, And what few connections you and I have made over these past couple of years. I have always thought you to be a very even-keeled, chill person. But when things are frenetic and you've got to handle situations in marketing and communications, are you that chill? <laughs> you know, you could you could pulse check this. It's, it's funny. I had a phone call within the last couple of weeks from a former colleague. He's an executive. And he started the conversation by saying that he was checking in with me on some possible work. And he said, you know, this, this is what I remember about you, which I really appreciated because you, I don't know you, I don't know if I even thought about it, but yes, I don't tend to get my children won't say the same, but I don't <laughs> they won't listen to this <laughs> in, a corporate, in a corporate setting. I, I guess I, I do have that ability to be the calm. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I do prefer that and I pride myself on that. So I, and I do think it served me well in those positions to mm-hmm. be able to take quite a bit, again, of, of all those dynamics at play um, and maintain some element of calm in what I could. That's the one thing I could control. <laughs> <laughs> then in 2018, you make a move to AGH, uh, which is a different industry, different sector. Why, why AGH? Yes, it Definitely didn't seem like a fit, I'm sure, from the outside looking in, but me knowing that I eventually wanted to break off on my own, it made a lot of sense to me, mm-hmm. and their entrepreneurial even spirit, in a way, is what initially attracted me to 
you know, having like a technical area that they covered and they, over time, added additional services to support their clients. I thought the model was really interesting. And I appreciate Paul and Sean taking that chance on me, for instance. But, you know, at, at Textron, it, it was just running at a pace that I was kind of not keeping up with as well toward the end with my family and my husband's business growing. And just knowing, again, what, would it, what does it look like to get closer to being out on my own? Um, Textron provided these global experiences and contacts. It was really neat to be able to work at AGH and get better connected locally in the business community uh, and learn a different industry. Um, you know, of course, COVID happened during that time, and I th I'm thankful that I did at least contribute some of the communications experience in that sense. We were communicating really frequently with, with clients during that time and all of the changes going on in mm -hmm. the financial world. So. I was thinking, you know, reflecting back on that, and I'm like, at least that that did translate, that skill set did. You know, marketing was honestly new to me at the time, and Paul took that chance on me and helped me learn a great deal, and I'm thankful for getting to make a stop there for a few years. It, it dawns on me that Paul Allen is is one of the great coaches you've had in your career. And mm -hmm. you, i got to think that Paul and Senator Moran are, and people like that are people who rub off on you and help you now. Yes, definitely. I, again, really fortunate have really great leaders even in college that helped get me positioned you know were willing to make that investment in me and kind of you know believing in me and my potential I don't think I really did have it for quite some time but yeah I'd say Bill Boyster was the other one the mm -hmm. CEO of Hawker Beechcraft and Beechcraft um, getting to work directly with him and on his staff for a time um, I think the consistency in some of those were you know, the, the communications and the like the leadership I do think over time for me the a non-negotiable for me has become leadership mm -hmm. I really look for that in people I associate myself with and those who I work with and I, I got to learn from some of the best I think so mm -hmm. you've you wrote in the business journal once that you've learned to consider your career in chapters mm -hmm. what does that mean and, and what chapter are you on right now Ooh, I wonder what chapter it is. Uh, I think, you know, I don't mean to limit this only to females, but I, that's my experience, of course. And it's one thing to be an early career person and dreaming about all the possibilities, but then you also, I also had a dream of starting a family. And that's, it brings on a whole new layer of opportunities and challenges. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think for me, it, was in looking back now it's like that early career was this time of getting to work really hard and really crazy hours and loving every I mean not every minute of it but loving most of it but then as we started raising children just knowing that's not for me individually it was not feasible to continue doing that but there it, honestly it was kind of sad at the time to like feel like I was wrapping up what maybe could have been this continued flourishing corporate experience but just knowing for us it was not aligning any any longer and that's right. like it's a that's okay that's that was that chapter for that reason and now this chapter looks like this while our kids are these ages I'm going to have positions that allow me to be home more and not be taking on so you know so so many hours of work so this chapter definitely is allowing that and I'm grateful for that in so many ways um but I don't, I think I, I like to think I'm still just getting started too is what's fun. So sure. maybe midway through the book <laughs> at this point, but definitely not done. <laughs> I, 
you're you're out of aviation now, but you're not out of aviation now as president of the Wichita Aero Club. Uh, that club's been around since 2008. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved? Well, I was involved back in the early days just in a volunteer capacity and supporting the organization through some of our executives too. Um, so I'd been tracking with them over the years. Dave actually, Dave Franson, we hired him early in my aviation career as a consultant to help me get better acclimated to the industry. Since I didn't know all the media landscape and all that, he helped me for a time uh, as a consultant at Hawker uh, doing that. So Dave and I knew knew one another. Uh, so I definitely was familiar and had been involved over the years. But thankfully, Ashley Bowen Cook was one of the first people I told I was breaking off my own. And she flagged it that they were starting to talk about succession for Dave. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate and, and honored to, I mean, there's no way to fill Dave Franson's shoes. He ran it for 14 years, the <laughs> first did. 14. And he, I mean, he helped form it and blood, sweat, and tears. And same, just even prior to that, his aviation background and experience and relationships is so plentiful. Um, but he's very gracious and still being involved and he'll take my calls and questions all the time. <laughs> so he's super helpful and still helping us in different ways, but I'm doing my best to contribute to that group and it is a really neat opportunity i think we as wichitans sometimes take for granted our aviation industry and base and you you come to some of our events and you can scan the room and see all of these really pivotal people um al higdon and paul bowen and the executive the current executives of the companies you Mm -hmm. know it's just such a there's so much history and experience and knowledge in this community, and we have the opportunity through the club to bring those people together in one room on a pretty, pretty regular basis to hear an industry update from, from others or have conversations, of course, between amongst themselves in mingling formats. So it is a, it is a neat space, and I'm thankful to still get to be, you know, dip my toe in aviation that way. Mm-hmm. And you have a familiar face as your Aero Club Trophy President for 20, not President, yes. <laughs> n- recipient, recipient for 2023, and it'll be handed out in February, that, Jerry Moran. That is correct. And I, I, I listened in on the committee selection, but I did not sway that. So <laughs> he was, uh, he came highly nominated, as you would expect from several companies actually came together to nominate him, which was neat to see. And It'll be great to recognize him in, in February for the work he's been doing for the industry and, you know, with aerospace and defense and uh, space and the way that's expanding his and his individual interest in getting more exposure for our community has been well-received and appreciated. We've written dozens, if not a hundred stories about yes. Jerry Moran's involvement with aviation and aerospace in the Wichita area over the years. Yes. Uh, we've done cover stories on it. Tell me something we probably haven't written about with with Senator Moran and aviation and his dedication to it. Is there something that not a lot of people know? I mean, one thing that I'm trying to remember if he told me this or if someone else did, I guess, it, but I think it just goes to show his interest. I his willingness to pick up the phone and call CEOs of other companies. I think it was an example of someone looking to move here, and I'm not even certain that it was an aviation company. I'll have to, I'd have to clarify that. But, you know, his, he individually picks up the phone and gets, gets on the phone with the CEO to say, hey, we'd love to have you in Kansas. So, like, his interest, and, I, you know, I don't bet that's probably marketed or told a ton because mm-hmm. that's right. all behind the door, behind closed doors and, 
but just his diligence and detail and how important and meaningful that I would think that would be on the receiving side to a company to be like, well, this, this, this state really does care about us and want us to be there. So mm-hmm. you have also expanded past Wichita with your aeronautical duties or whatever you want to call them. You're on the, the national aeronautics association board this year. What goes into that? What, what does that board do? And, and tell me about that yeah. process. Sure. Uh, thankfully, through the role I play with the Aero Club, afforded me the opportunity to be um, on the NAA board, uh, and I'm actually serving on the executive committee as well currently. So that organization at, at the national level is promoting aviation aerospace, and same even expanding what that you know this it's like our definitions keep expanding as right. as the industry expands. Uh, but, you know, some of the work they do would be heavily in the award space. They they give out the Collier Trophy would probably be the most recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, we awarded it to the Hubble Telescope team mm-hmm. in 2022 and got to be a part of that. So it's just, it's really fun to represent Wichita at the national level and to be seen by that organization as, you know, the air capital of the world and everything that we bring. So... And just relationships that form out of that that hopefully we can benefit here as well. You know, getting more people to town for industry updates or different things like that. Is that a one-year appointment or does that go on? As it goes on. Um, so I, I think as long as I'm serving as president of the Aero Club, I'll likely be able to be on that board. But okay. I don't actually know that 100%. <laughs> I'm on year two, so it did extend beyond one year. Good. <laughs> do you? Final question: Do you ever miss the the just the fast pace of of Capitol Hill or day to day aviation and Ed Hawker? What do you ever miss part of your careers? I guess. I guess the fun thing right now is that I still get a little bit of that um, based on the project work I'm doing and then even I'm you know in the coaching capacity supporting women in some high level leadership positions so it's like I have a window into all of it without having to individually go walk that walk and put those hours in so not at the moment I don't just based on I'm very fulfilled in the work I'm doing and Mm -hmm. um, what it's meant for our family and that 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 dynamic so no for now but I, I have so much respect for everyone doing all the work on the other side. <laughs> well, Nicole Alexander of Nicole Alexander Co. You got it. <laughs> I got it this time. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thanks for spending some time talking about your career and your business. Congratulations and continued success. I really appreciate you having me on and look forward to working with you more. That's it for Biz Talk this week, episode 346. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our founding sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.